This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. welcome bag at the connection site in the back of the sanctuary or at our welcome and information desk. Everyone, please write your name on our friendship card. Fill in your address to receive the newsletter or update your information. On the back, you can put prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff and place in the offering plate. Enjoy, Enjoy the service! We are glad to have you here for church this morning. The clipboard that are going around are an opportunity for prayer. We do prayer vigils once in a while for 24 hours, and we have one coming up. And I know praying for an entire hour sounds like that's impossible, but it's amazing how quickly the time goes by. So I do encourage you uh, to sign up for that. I also want to mention that we are changing our schedule this uh, in two weeks, September 10th, and this is what the schedule will be like. We will have worship at 9 o'clock, like we're having right now. We'll have Sunday school at 10.15 for all ages, and we will have uh, worship again at 11.15. This is an old, old schedule uh, that we used when our church was the strongest and the healthiest, and, and we're trying to go back to some old principles and, and understandings. One is we'll have junior church for the little ones. So three-year-olds through third, uh, third grade will have a program during worship, and we'll start in the ark. Um, but the older children we're trying to bring back into worship because we really need to uh, renew the idea of worship and for the adults, Sunday school. So we're going back to a different schedule. We're going to give it a try and see how it works and look forward to having you participate with us this coming fall. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your blessings and we pray that you'll bring your spirit upon us, that in all that we do and all that we are this morning, it will be for you. Bless us, Lord. Fill us and give us your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we worship together singing Rescue the Perishing. Jesus will save. Though they are signing him, 
merciful, Jesus will save. The Lord be with you. Take a moment, if you will, and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Spirit. That's going to change, too. I'd like to invite the children to come up and join me now. If any of the kids want to come on down. Good morning, guys. Do you know what these are? These are spices, yes. They smell really cool. Here. You guys can smell them if you want to. Anybody want to smell one? Here you go. I know you did. Here, pass it around. Pass it around. Here you go. You can pass that one around, okay? They're all different, aren't they? Yeah. Some of them, some of them smell like, whoa! And some of them smell like fruit, don't they? And some of them smell sweet. What do you... They smell spicy. Yes, they do. Absolutely. And, and do you know that without these, our food would taste kind of bad? Yeah. So we put spices in because, well, it makes our food better. And I tell people about spices. This is cardamom. I found this one a few years ago. It's really cool. Makes your food taste wonderful. Tarragon is what makes our baked fish taste so good, special at the fish fry. Some people have asked me that. And this other one, garum marcella, is just cool. <laughs> My sister told me about this one. Really good on meat. And this one in the jar. I have no idea what it is. My sister makes it up for me, and she gives me a jar every year, and I love it, so I use it, but I don't know what's in it. I have no idea. (laughs) Isn't that kind of funny? There are some seeds in there, yeah, and there's some green stuff. Other than that, I have no idea what it is, but it's very good. Spices are great, and I try to tell people about things that are great, just like I tell people about all kinds of special things in my life. And the greatest thing in our lives, anybody want to guess who it is? Jesus. So I tell people about Jesus because Jesus makes our lives special, okay? And you should do that too. I'm going to invite you to share if you've got something you want to share that uh, you're thankful for. Just raise your hand. Family. Jackets. Anybody else? No, there we are. Dogs. Dogs, okay. Lord, we are thankful for all the special things in our lives, our family, our pets, the things that make our lives wonderful. Bless us always and help us to share those good things with others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can go out to church school. All the children are invited to go out to church school. Good morning. Isn't it a beautiful day? I'm just, it's been such a beautiful weekend, and and can you just feel the presence of the Lord here in this place? That's what makes the day really beautiful, amen? Amen. It is a wonderful thing. God is moving us in all kinds of ways into a new season. We're moving out of summer and into that, um, back back to the normal routine kind of a thing, and God's moving us as a church into a new season too. It is a blessing to know that God is doing a new thing in our midst. Let's bring our gifts, tithes, and offerings before the Lord, offering them up with thankful hearts for all God's doing in our lives.
Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day and for the opportunity to gather and worship you. Lord, we ask that you would bless this offering. Give us wisdom to know how to best use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ, that we would honor and glorify your name in that work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We do have some concerns and some joys to add to what we've spoken of already. Ellie Drake um, is in the hospital right now. She has a pulmonary embolism, and we want to keep her in our prayers. Um, Joe Ventura, who was hospitalized with a blood infection, is home now, and he's recovering, so we keep him in our prayers as well. Dorothy Thuman had, had surgery on Thursday. She's home now, recovering. And um, Dottie Ryer is having some medical tests this week. We want to keep her lifted up too. With these concerns and those that are in your heart, whether you join me from your seat or at the rail, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you now knowing that you are the great and mighty God creator of all things who hears and answers our prayers. We are grateful for the opportunity to lift up these concerns, Lord. We ask that you would touch us, draw our hearts toward you, make us well able to pray, make us well able to minister to the needs of the people you put in our, our path. We especially lift up, Lord, all of those who are sick and infirm. We pray that you will touch them with your healing power, making them whole, Lord God. Make them whole from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet, in their spirits, in their souls, and in their bodies. Lord, you are the one who knows what each one truly needs. We pray that you meet those needs as you have promised. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving losses of all kinds. We pray that they will be comforted and granted peace as they draw close to you. Let them know that you are with them, Lord. Let them feel your presence. And Father, we pray for all of those who are enduring the hardship of a very, very bad weather, Lord God, whose homes and properties are damaged, whose lives are threatened, Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name for peace in those situations. We pray that you would move on the hearts of people to help where help is needed. We pray, Lord God, that as your church, we would go forth hearing your voice, carrying your presence, and being witnesses to your great love and grace and mercy. Help us, Lord, strengthen our faith so that we can reach others for you. Be with us now as we sing the songs of praise as we hear the words spoken and proclaimed and 
expounded on as Pastor Tom delivers the message that you've given him for us this day. Let all of these things, Lord God, be a blessing to each and every one of us. Let our worship be a blessing to you. Transform us, Lord, and make us able to go out into the world and represent you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Good morning, everyone be reading from Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 11 then 16 through 20. After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Louis. We've been doing a sermon series where we've had some quizzes, and we're going to start right out with the quiz. So get out your little pieces of paper wherever you might have them. Most of you should know about this. If not, take a piece off your, your bulletin or whatever you wish. You can even use the technology there uh, with PendletonChurch.org. Here's the question. What list is closest to what you value most in life? If you had to pick one of these lists, which would it be? Would it be A, you value your car, your house, and your job most? B, spices and tools and sub shops. C, your faith, your family, and your values. Or D, your money, your health, and your education. Not so easy, is it? 
all things that we like and enjoy. Go ahead, A, B, C, or D. Let's see how we do. We'll collect those up. They're going to send those. If you could send those down to the aisles, they'll come around and pick them up, and we'll see what your answers are in a, in a few minutes. You know, I do like to cook, and that's why I share with people about these unusual spices. There are some pretty neat spices out there. My daughter even gets me one from France. And these kind of things can make our food taste particularly good. As I said, I put about nine spices in the fish fries uh, for, for the fish. And, and so it's not just fish thrown into some butter. It's got an unusual flavor because of that. When, when we go on the mission trip, sometimes the kids will ask me for what they call the cool tool. The cool tool is basically a Dremel, and it, and it, and it cuts under doors. It cuts around uh, outlets for drywall. It cuts almost everywhere, anything. So we call it the cool tool. And if you don't have one and you do a lot of work, you should get a cool tool because they're pretty cool. Wow. The other day I was talking to my neighbor, and I said, you know, I called the sub shop out in Perry called Daryl's. And, and I called up, and, and they answered the phone, and I said, hi, I'd like to order a sub. And they said, would you like the same one you got last time? I'm like, oh, I'm getting creeped out now. And they proceeded to describe right down to exact details of what I wanted on it, what I had. And they said, now that's for Tom, right? I said, oh, this is just too much. This is too much. And then they asked me, well, well, what is this Daryl's? I said, you've lived here 30 years and you don't know what Daryl's is? And I said, it's a great place with subs and pizza. Well, that afternoon they went to Daryl's. And they came back and they said, that's a great place. When we find a good restaurant or someplace we like to go, we share those things with people. We share with people about spices or, or about tools or about special places to eat. And yet the most important thing in our lives is that we love God, amen? And we struggle to share that. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and his love. You know, in this passage, it actually says in verse 2, or verse 3, rather, go. He doesn't say if it's comfortable or if you feel like it or if it works for you or if it fits in your schedule. He says, go and tell people about me. In verse 1 and 2, it actually says that he chose the people. He appointed them. He, he, he didn't let them volunteer. It wasn't up to them. He said, you, 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 and the one back there, and you over there, go. God picks people and chooses them to share the message. Some have an easier way about it and are more comfortable because they're those kind of outgoing people and some not so much. But each one has someone that God calls them to reach. 72 people. At this point in time, Jesus probably didn't have more than, more than maybe 80 or 100 people following him around. So this is most of his disciples. Most of you are expected to go. It's easy, though, to share the things in our lives that make things go well, like spices or tools or sub shops. But we struggle with sharing God. Even though he's the most important thing in the life of a Christian, we struggle with it. And this passage talks a little bit about it. After all, he says, I send you out, in verse 3, like sheep among wolves. This isn't going to be an easy thing. In some ways, our culture is hostile to the message we want to share with them, and God knows that. Now, I've been a salesman all my life. The only difference between me now and 40 years ago is the product I sell. I've got the best one now to sell, right? 
But basically, I've been doing sales all my life. And you know what I learned about sales? Here's the key. Reject the rejection. I used to have to sell lawn care to people in the middle of the winter. They got three feet of snow on their lawn, and I'm calling them up to see if they want their grass taken care of. And I had other friends doing it with me, too. And I sold more than they did. And you know what the reason was? They would get on the phone with somebody who said, I don't think so. What are you, crazy? It's the middle of the winter. And start arguing and talking and trying to convince them. I'd tell them, hang up the phone. Keep going. There's a, there's a person out there waiting. Oh, I was going to call you guys this spring. That's the one you want. Reject the rejection. Forget about the people that refuse you. Forget about the people that refuse God. In verse 16, he says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects God himself. It's not you. It's God that they don't want to have anything to do. But it says that the harvest is white. There are people out there all over the place that want to experience God in the way you do. So reject the rejection and look for the ones who are struggling. John Wesley, who started our denomination, needed to learn how to reject the rejection. He was a priest in the Church of England. He was ordained. He was a well-trained, educated priest whose father was a priest. But he wasn't allowed to preach in any of the churches of England. He was, he was expelled from preaching in the church he belonged to. Like me, if I was expelled from the United Methodist churches, even though I'm a pastor, they didn't take away his credentials. They just didn't let him preach in their churches. And you want to know the reason why? He brought in the wrong people. He brought in the wrong folks. Because you know what that means. If we start bringing the wrong people in here and you have to have them sit next to you or your spouse or your kids, you might be going, uh uh-huh. Pastor Tom's getting the wrong folks in here. This isn't what I signed up for. And John Wesley was bringing in the wrong kind of people as far as the church people were concerned. So they, they told him, you're not welcome in the church anymore. So John Wesley didn't, didn't go home and mope and cry and whine. Oh, it's not fair. He went out to where the people were. He preached his sermons in the countryside, sometimes thousands of people. I don't know how they did that. He must have had a voice like a cannon, you know? He preached in coal mines. I can't even picture being in a coal mine, nonetheless preaching in one. He went to where the people were that needed to hear about God because there's people out there that are are struggling. They're lost. They're hurting. And they need Jesus. In this Bible, just a couple chapters over, in uh, chapter 15, it tells a story about a sheep. Jesus says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. You know, my understanding of sheep, and I don't know a lot about them, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that they're not very smart. They sort of like wander off. Ooh, a butterfly. <laughs> Oh, fresh grass. Look at that. Oh, look at that over there. I could go over there. You know, kind of like people, right? Because God uses sheep as an example of us. <laughs> Wander off. So you can picture this little sheep now all of a sudden realizes that they don't know where they are. Oh, where am I? And they're trying to find the way home, but they can't see it. 
because there's no one there to guide them. They're used to having a shepherd to show them which way to go. They're used to having dogs even to bark at them. They're used to having other sheep to follow behind. There's little narrow paths. There's wide paths. There's, there's scary paths, and the little sheep is shaking because they're lost and they need to be found. That's how God feels about people because they get lost like this young girl. Acting out. That's when I started to distance myself from God and from relationships and from people because I was so consumed with having a boyfriend and just not even that I wanted to be with the person. It's just that I wanted a long-term relationship. I was just desperate for the attention that I didn't get as a child from my family. We got to know each other and after about a year of dating is when things started to get really bad. We didn't really start fighting until we have been dating for a while, but then we started fighting and fighting and fighting, and it got to the point that we were fighting about things, stupid things, like he wanted to do things with me and I didn't want to put out, I didn't want to be that person. And I met a guy that became one of my best friends, and I did bars for the first time with him, I got high for the first time with him, I did ecstasy for the first time with him, and several times later, and I got drunk for the first time with him. So I listened to him and I was like, okay, that's fine, I can do those things, I mean, I'm not a godly person anymore. I don't go to church, you know, God, God's whatever. I'm, I'm not good enough for God. I'm not going to be good enough for God. So why would I go to church when I'm out drinking, partying, living life on the weekends? And um, I just, I wasn't satisfied with that life. I was tired of feeling like I wasn't good enough to be, to be someone that could go to church that could be loved by God. I wasn't satisfied. I couldn't find happiness. I couldn't find joy. But she doesn't know where to look. You notice how she talks fast? Those of us that are older are not used to listening that quick. She talked fast because she's anxious. She's worried. She's lost. She's a little sheep that doesn't know which way to go. And we know. But we don't share. And some people say it's because we don't know how. So let me give you Jesus' quick uh, study on how to share your faith, okay? We're going to go through this pretty quickly. In verse 1, he says, go with a partner, just like the, the ark. Go two by two. Don't go alone. It's a frightening world out there. Don't go and do anything alone. You should have a partner in everything you do. It's good for you. Number two, he says, travel light. Don't take a bunch of extra baggage. Don't, don't take stuff you've got to worry about and take care of and, 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 and spend time with. Just, just go out there relying on God. The interesting one is in verse 4, it says, don't greet people along the way. And we're like, what? Aren't you supposed to be? No, what he's saying is keep focused. Keep focused. If you lose your focus, you won't get to what you're doing. Like some of you who, you know, you go upstairs for something, and you get up there, and you get distracted, and you're looking at something, and and you're doing this and that. and, And then you walk downstairs, and you go, oh, shoot. (laughs) Right? Because we all do that, because we get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted in this world. Get a plan and follow the plan. It says begin with peace. Offer your peace. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but, but, but Christians are too quick to offer judgment. The world is not really in need of judgment right now. They need peace, most of it. They need love. They need the grace of God. In fact, in verse Nine, it actually says to bring healing. And I know what some of you will say, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse. But, you know, we can all bring healing. Some people can do amazing miracles, and I've seen that happen. I just uh, went to a wedding for a little girl that my wife and I prayed for when she was a baby. The doctor said she would die. And yesterday, we were at her wedding. 
truth of the matter is, is those miracles happen, but that's, that's not what you have to do to bring healing. Sometimes all you need to do is talk to someone. Be with that person nobody else is talking to. Put your arm around somebody who's struggling and hurting. Be there when somebody needs a helping hand. That brings healing. It also says that, that you'll learn. The, the, the peace will return to you or not. God will show you where you should share the faith. God will lead you. You don't have to go out and start banging on doors or going out into the crowds and yelling at them. Just wait, and God will bring the people to you. But will you be bold enough to share when God puts those people in your presence? And then it says, I I think this is interesting, eat what they serve you. Stay where they sleep you. In other words, start where they are. We, we sometimes get really weird about worrying about ourselves. And people aren't going to listen to what we have to say until we listen to what they have to say. You know, this food thing's kind of interesting. I remember years and years ago, I worked for Chemlon, and there, there was a lady that I wanted to talk to about, about her account, and she invited me in to eat rhubarb pie. I, I don't like rhubarb pie, just FYI. It's, it's not, I, I don't like it, right? But I want to talk to her. So knowing good sales techniques, you eat the rhubarb pie, all right? Because if you care about what they care about, if you listen to what they say, if you're there where they're at, if you begin where they are, they'll listen to what you have to say. I've heard people say to me all kinds of goofy things about God. That's fine. That's fine, but they won't listen to what I have to say until I listen to what they have to say. They won't care what I care about until I care about what they care about. And share with everyone. Did you notice that, that some of the people in the story will reject the message? In fact, it even talks about kicking the dust of your heels off, you know. Don't worry about them. And what that simply means is if somebody's not interested, move on. Don't be spending time on people that don't really want to hear what you have to say. Because remember, the harvest is white. There's people out there waiting for you to show up. But share it with everyone. Even the people you think don't want to hear, because believe it or not, there's people out there that you think don't want to hear that have been waiting desperately to hear about God. Share it with everyone. Find that lost sheep. I want to tell you about a guy named Harry Denman. Harry Denman uh, was a person in the United Methodist Church. Years and years ago, uh, he had dropped out of school, and his Sunday school teacher encouraged him to go back to school. He, he actually went back to school, got a college degree, and then I got, got a master's degree in business, and he became a church manager, a manager of a church, bigger than this church, one of those large churches where he had to just manage everything that was going on. And he does such a great job that the United Methodist Church, the whole big denomination, hired him. But they didn't hire him to run a business area. They hired him to run the evangelism division. He started out with five people, and a number of years later, there were 300 people working in our country on bringing people to Jesus Christ. But it wasn't the fact that he made this organization so great or that he had this great career. It was Harry himself. Harry chose not to get married and not to have children on purpose because he said it'll take time away from sharing about Jesus. And everywhere he went, he talked about Jesus. And Harry had a fairly decent job. It paid reasonably well. But let me tell you what Harry owned. I could show you. I won't get too much in detail. He had a brown suit. And he had a briefcase. I couldn't find a briefcase anymore, so I used this bag. (laughs) And inside that briefcase was a change of underwear, a clean shirt, and a pair of pajamas. And no matter the fact that he had a good income, that's all he owned. He owned. 
Because everything Harry ever, ever got, he spent on other people. Wesley was that way, by the way, too. He was, he was a prolific author and made what would be today millions and millions of dollars selling his, his products, his books and things. And he, and he died with only owning a couple of spoons in a collection. Because these people were so committed to Jesus that they would use their resources to bring the word of God to people. Amazing, really, beyond most of our comprehension. Even those of us who have given up a lot for God really don't get to that point. I never have. When I moved to Wyoming, I gave up my house, I gave up my job, I gave up my future, but I took a, I put, took a U-Haul full of stuff with me. Not, not a suit, right? Harry used to go into diners, and he would talk to the people. And of course, because his job required him to ride on airplanes, he would, he would talk to the stewardesses a lot. And there are a lot of stories about Harry, but just a couple of them was the stewardesses, he would get their address. I know that sounds creepy, but, but think back in that day, right? He'd get their addresses, and he'd write a letter to their mothers saying what wonderful young women they were. Can you imagine a better gift that you could give to a young lady than to send a letter home to mom saying how wonderful you are? He would, he would stop in at the diners and have coffee and talk to people about God. One young woman he ran across said, well, I'd like to go to church, but I can't get off from work. In fact, I have a little baby at home, but I, I can't get to church to have her baptized. So he went in the back and talked to the boss, and he came out. He said, you got Sunday off. You can go get the baby baptized this week. I'll go with you. Amazing. I don't know that you all can be Harry Denman. They even give an award out in the United Methodist Church now for, for the layperson and the pastor who, who do the most every year to bring somebody to God. I don't know that we can be Harry Denman's. We can bring people to Jesus. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't even really truly paid to do this. It was his life. It was who he was because he cared about the lost sheep. And faith is not shared head to head. Faith is shared heart to heart. When they see your heart, when they see your love, when they see your care, they want to experience that too. The last thing on the list that Jesus gives us is he says, when you go into any place, any town, anywhere, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. God is wants to be with you. God wants to love you. God wants to care for you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what your life has looked like, what you feel about anything. God wants to be with you. That's the message. That's the message that changes the world. And it's a message we need to bring. We need to care enough to go out of our comfort zone to share. And it's not because we need more people in our church. It's, it's not because somehow we need more money to pay the bills. It's, it's, it's not because we, we, we need somebody more to work on the fish fries. It's because people need Jesus. I went to see a mother the other day from our church, and she was talking about her daughter, who I knew since she was a little girl. And she says, well, she's afraid to come to church because, because she doesn't come to church in Pendleton anymore. She goes to another area church, and she thinks you're going to be mad at her. Mad at her because she grew up and went to church? Hello. This is what we're living for. It's not about our kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. How do we breathe the love of God into people's hearts? Because they're in trouble. 
You know, when you kick the dust off your heels, he also said to tell the people the kingdom of God is near. It's a double-edged sword. It can bring peace. It can bring love. It can bring joy. But it can bring the end. And there are people that are on the way to hell, on the way to destruction. And they're living in hell now. And they don't know the way. In the book of Matthew, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I want you to think about that little sheep. That poor little sheep is, is out there by themselves. And they're looking around, and they see this, this narrow, kind of difficult little path, and they see a wide path. Which way do you think they're going to go? Because they have no one to help them, no one to share with them, no one to show. They're alone, they're troubled, and they're afraid. God says when we reach these, there's rejoicing in heaven. And we should rejoice too that our names are written in the book of life. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing like nothing else can do. We have a great power. We have the most amazing power in the universe. It transforms lives. It transforms the world right in front of us. They said, demons, listen to what we said. Satan fell from heaven at the command of Christians. Because there is nothing we need to be afraid of when God is with us. When we bring the grace of God, it changes everything. Like this young woman went from despair to Jesus. Somewhere along the lines, I met a few friends that finally told me that I was good enough for God because I didn't feel like I was good enough for God. So they were going to church every Sunday and I hadn't gone to church in five years. And I didn't understand. I was like, how come you know God, you pray? I was like, you seem pretty happy. Like, what makes you so happy? He's like, how come you can talk to God and I can't? And they told me, Becca, God's always been there for you. God still loves you. I hurt people because I was hurting, and I tried to offend people because it made me feel better about myself. Because I knew that I was broken. And I just couldn't grasp the concept that God loves me. But I started to realize that I wanted that change. I met well, some really cool people at work, Steph and Steven, that started inviting me to church. And I lied to Steph for Steven for a while when they tried to get me to go to church just because I didn't want to go to Bible study because I was like, if I go to Bible study, I can't keep drinking on the weekends. Like, I'll be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. So I just kept telling her I didn't want to go. And finally, I started going. And they made me realize that even though I am a sinner, God still loves me and wants me and died on the cross for me. For me. I love to tell the story. More wonderful it seems than all my golden fancies of all my dreams. The most powerful thing in the world is the grace of God and we have it. And it says that the the harvest is ripe. People say, well, folks don't want to go to church. Yes, they do. Folks don't want to have God in life. Yes, they do. They're out there by the millions. 
just waiting for somebody to invite them. Have you ever gotten a piece of mail from us? Anybody here ever get a piece of mail? Probably most of you. We're the direct mail kings of the world. Not really, but, you know, for churches, we send out a lot of direct mail. Do you know that I have had people come to this church and say to me, thank you for inviting me to your church. This is the only time I've ever been invited to a church, and I always wanted to go, but I never got an invitation. And you go, wow, from a little piece of paper we sent out in the mail. Can you imagine how much more powerful it would be if it came to someone they knew, their friends, their neighbor, their family. They actually say most people invited to church go. They go. We can break through the brokenness. If we keep our focus on God and we keep our love on others. I know we worry about the angry prodigal sons that ran off somewhere. I'm not asking you to go drag down prodigals. God didn't even do that. Go find the lost sheep. They're alone. They're troubled. And they're afraid. And I've got to tell you the truth. Sometimes they're afraid of us. Because we've got too many angry Christians out there. Too many Christians that haven't learned what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor the way you would want to be loved. In fact, you want to know what makes United Methodist different ultimately, and I think this church different than a lot, is that you can come into this church and we'll accept you as you are. You don't have to agree. You don't have to be on the same political spectrum. You don't even have to believe the same thing in your faith. You just want to love God and love other people. We want you. We want you to be a part of it because we need, we need the power of God's love. It's, it's God's love, not his judgment, that will change things. You've seen this before, some of you. We need to turn it all inside out, right? You know, these jackets are designed so that, so that the hard part's on the outside and the soft part's on the inside. That's the way churches seem to be. We love each other, but forget them out there. We need to start showing that love to other people, that concern, that care for other people. You know what else I discovered last night when I reached for my my cell phone? This also means that your wallet is out there. It means your phone's out there, and everything you care about is out there, not hidden away anymore. Scary. Frightening. Powerful. Powerful. Bible says a gentle answer will turn away wrath. Most of you have heard about this monument controversy that's going on in our country. I read an article that was fascinating. It said that some guys showed up to protect their monument. They lined up, stayed there all day to protect their monument. And another group of people belonging to Black Lives Matter showed up protesting their monument. And they were in a standoff for a while. And then one of the guys protecting the monument, he said he saw this woman over there that looked like she was trembling in fear. So he walked over to her like this. And she just came up and threw her arms around him and hugged him and wouldn't let go. He said, we're not KKK. If I were KKK, would I be hugging you like this? And he said, we decided we got to figure out a way to fix this thing. Stop fighting with each other. Stop arguing with each other. 
We need to find a way together, not a way that tears apart. We need to find a way that brings love, because that's who we are. We are Christians, and we are United Methodist Christians, which means we have open hearts, open doors, open minds, and we love people, because that's what God called us, commanded us to do. See what you love. Your car, your house, your job. Nobody cares about those things. They don't matter at all. (laughs) One of you wrote in Bill's winning the Super Bowl. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nobody cares about spices, tools, and sub shops either, even though I've told everybody about it. It's interesting how few even cared about your money, your health, and your education, even though we're told that that's the most important thing, isn't it? Get a good education so you can get a good job, so you can be taken care of the rest of your life. If our faith and our family and our values are the most important thing, why aren't we, why aren't we sharing them with the world? Oh, we're afraid. Do you know how many people speak boldly about God in our culture? We're the biggest organization in America. And some people you'd be surprised about are more than willing to share I, I, I am not talking about religion. I, I am a Christian. That is my faith. I'm not asking you to be a Christian. If you want to be one, I can show you how. First off, I want to thank God, because that's who I look up to. He's graced my life with opportunities that I know are not of my hand or any other human hand. And I really decided to take things out of my own hands and put it in God's hands. Mr. T, a sinner, but saved by grace. Yes, yes, yes. Because we all have sinned, that's why we're in church. I would look back now and say, I was a believer, but I was not following Christ. It's only when you meet Jesus and you look back at where you were you end up saying things like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was I thinking that I let somebody not hear about Jesus? What was I thinking that I let that little person get away without knowing about God? What was I thinking that I let that lost sheep fall off a cliff? What was I thinking? We offer Christ not just because it changes the world, it changes us. I read a little article about that story about the monument people, and it was interesting because the lady wrote back and said, I'm not a part of Black Lives Matters, just so you know. So I don't know that this story is true. I made it up, okay? But I'm just picturing that woman. She goes to just see what's going on, and she's watching two groups facing off against each other, and she knows something bad is going to happen, and she's just trembling about it. And one of the biggest bruisers comes over like this at her. 
And I can hear her say to her friends, I don't know what to do. So I just, I just threw my arms around and hugged him and hugged the, hugged the devil out of him. <laughs> See, because we're so absolutely convinced that we're the ones that need to go out and save somebody else's soul. But you want to know what's going to save the church? What's going to save the church, what's going to save our hearts, what's going to change our lives is when we learn to love and let people love us back and throw their arms around us. That will transform our world. And that's what God calls us to. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. was sent here to die for each and every one of us and we can place our 
trust, our eternal salvation into Christ's hands. Christ, 
we move forward with life. And we have so many people out there who need this good news. These are the days to share that love of Christ. Salvation comes to each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Here we come this day because we are so filled with God's love. We want to worship God because of what God has done for us. And a church is in many ways like a hospital because, you know, we go through the week and try as we may to be on the right path and do always do the right thing. So many times we fail. And so we get to come back here worshiping God, knowing that God loves us in spite of everything and wants to be restored in relationship with us and so we have an opportunity to confess and come to the table of grace and won't you pray with me lord i'm a sinner lord i'm a sinner i have failed in many ways i have failed in many ways i have not always thought, I have not always thought. good of others good of myself i've not always acted kindly I've not always acted with love. Heal me, Lord. Take away any bitterness. Take away any hatred. Take away any distrust. And fill me with your love. Set me on the right path that I may be a witness 
by what I say, by what I do, and even by my thoughts. We praise you, Lord, and thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And this means and proves God's love for each and every one of us. And so I can proclaim today, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory Glory to to God. God. Amen. What a wonderful time it is to come to the Lord's table, to come and celebrate Holy Communion with our Lord and Savior Jesus, who invites us here. I love this liturgy. I love reading through it every week. You know why? I love to tell the story. And it tells the story from start to finish. Listen carefully. From the beginning to salvation, to Jesus coming again, It's all there. And we get to meet with Jesus here at the table. We don't understand how. It's a mystery. But somehow when we pray, somehow when we come in faith, God moves and the bread and the juice become for us the body and blood of Christ. Everyone is welcome at the table. If you love God, repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome at the table this morning. doesn't matter if you've been coming all your life or if it's your first time here. You are welcome. Come expecting. Jesus will meet you here. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, 
neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery and death, to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together with the confidence of children of God, the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward?
healing or to light a candle, all are welcome. Come and join us. If you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we're going to sing together a song.
praise and thanksgiving to God ever-living. The task of our everyday life we will face, our faith ever-sharing, in love ever-caring, embracing God's children of each tribe and race. With your grace you feed us, with your light now lead us, unite us as one in this life that we share. Then may all the living with praise and thanksgiving give honor to Christ and that name which we bear very awkward wearing a jacket backwards. Everything is all confused. Maybe we should wear them that way for a couple weeks so we remember who we are. You know what the greatest, most commonly used spice in the world is? Salt. You are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its saltiness, it's worth nothing but to be trampled under the feet, is what Jesus said. If the Christians of our world stop sharing Christ, the darkness takes over. Go out and be the salt of the earth. Be the light of the world. And go share the grace and the wonder of God, which will break through all the brokenness, not only in your lives, not only in our church, but in our world around us. Go in his peace and share his peace. Amen.